0: pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for words that have been read from your scriptures this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are with us, that your Holy Spirit is with us, that you've already sparked within um, so many of us your holy life. And Lord, we ask that you would fan into great flame um, our love of you the presence of your spirit within us and working through us, that we might be fully alert, fully awake and longing for you. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. I got a call um, yesterday from a good friend and um, she told me that she had been, she'd just been at a funeral. It's a really sad situation. Um, but she said it with some kind of excitement in her voice, and I thought, how does that go together? Um, but she said, this is a really sad situation. And he said, I, I almost texted you right in the middle of the fu- funeral to say, hey, uh, Father Eric, there's this incredible word that's being given right now, and so here's the situation. I was at a funeral for a young man who died of an heroin overdose, and I'm still not understanding why she's wishing she would text me. And then she describes this situation, she says it was the most eloquent and beautiful expression of hope in the midst of a really tragic situation and an incredible appeal to everybody to wake up. What she said, the father said, this is a deeply devout Christian family whose son got caught up in the horrors of heroin, which is one of the most addictive and destructive substances available out there. He got up and he said, in life, we're given a lot of choices. Sometimes that choice is the last one. And he looked out at the young people, especially that were there, and he said, you have a choice today. You have a choice right now if you are struggling with any kind of addiction, to make a decision right now to walk away from that. There's a guy here from Teen Challenge who is full of the spirit, is full of the power of God and wants to invite you into a different way of life that will set you free. Free from having today maybe being your last Chance, And uh, she was so amazed by that because then there's this incredible response from the, uh, the people that were there. For those of you who don't know, by the way, Teen Challenges is this, um, it's a charismatic group of people who've come out of different kinds of addiction and uh, struggles uh, with substance abuse, but now addictions, we understand, span a lot of different things. It could be things like um, even relationships and gambling. I mean, it, it's, we understand that it goes much further than that. And I would say, um, I might touch in a little bit about addiction here and there, but I want to say that all of us are addicted to sin <laughs> and different versions of it. And there's some things that we can actually learn from um, understanding what we're learning about addiction just in terms of how we live our lives. But I do think that before us today, now is a choice. Just like it was yesterday in a very profound way for many who were attending the funeral of this young man whose father spoke with such longing. He said, you know, my son did know the Lord. He got caught up in this, but he did know the Lord. He said, I want not just his life, but his death to speak to you so that you make a choice for God today. There's longing in this father's heart. Such longing. Uh, I uh, look at the passage from Joshua today, and I think that that's what we see with Joshua. Joshua, he's at the end of his days. He knows he's about to go to be with the Lord, and he loves Israel. He's taken them through the wilderness, and he's taken them through so many battles. He's been strong and courageous He has been an amazing leader, but he longs for them to stay true. He longs for them to be strong and courageous for the long haul. That's part of what he's desiring for them. I think that's actually a key piece of this, right? The longing that Joshua has for his dearly beloved fellow Israelites, really the family of God that he loves, he's given his life to, he longs for them to remain in the family and to remain in the life that they've begun to enjoy in the promised land. He longs for them to be true to that, to be faithful to that for the long haul. That's what we call fortitude, by the way. Fortitude, he wants them to have faith for the long haul, to be people who are loyal both long for God and are loyal to him. He was one who had endured in many ways. He had wanted to be in the promised land long before a lot of other people, by the way, recognized, hey, it's time to go in. He and his buddy uh, Caleb, right, they were ready to go in much earlier, but they had to have the kind of longing that he's hoping Israel will have. They had to have the kind of endurance Caleb and Joshua in particular, because they longed to be in the promised land, but Israel wasn't ready. They had a lot of wilderness travel to doing. They had to endure that. And now that they're in the promised land, he realizes there's another kind of longing and endurance that Israel's going to have to live into. And that's what he wants. He wants them to have this orientation for the long haul that they would remain true for the entire duration. So these are his final words. He wants to renew this covenant of life that sparks longing in us and sparks faithfulness in us. That's what he wants to see happen for them. And so a lot of what he's doing is, is, is to that end. By the way, I, my goal to today is somewhat similar. I, I, I kind of want to get us oriented to being lo- people of longing. I want to get us oriented to pe- be people who are loyal through thick and thin and enduring. And really, in a sense... That's what Advent is, which starts up in a couple of weeks. So I'm just giving you a little bit of a preview of Advent, right? Advent is about the coming of the kingdom, but it's our also prayerful longing for that coming and faithfulness while we wait. We get this in the gospel today. It seems at times that there's a delay and the promised land just seems kind of far off and it's taking a long time and we need to have that kind of strength, that faithfulness, that endurance that longing and that loyalty that I'm talking about. So that's my goal is to encourage us in that today and get us ready to what the season of Advent, I hope, will really reinforce for us. I mentioned uh, just a second ago about addiction. I've been reading a good bit about addiction. It's an interesting contrast to longing because what addiction often is connected to is an immediate kind of a gratification, right? It is, um, especially with things like heroin, it's the most extreme Um, Version of a really quick instantaneous fix, Um, sometimes to deal with pain or fear or anxiety, but also just to really um, feel good. And what's interesting about it is we understand about addiction is that it's particularly desire that it's operating through. So much of addiction, by the way, isn't just the pleasure of the hit. It's the longing leading up to it. And as soon as you start to picture that thing that you long for and you start to crave for it, your, your body starts to feed dopamine, which is that, that, uh, that, that pleasurable, you know, endogenous morphine that we, we release in our own brains. And that starts to feel really enjoyable. It's the longing even for it. It's the desire even for it that is released in our brain. And then... We just, we want that now because it's so palpable. We can even taste it before we've tasted it. We've made it that powerful when we've become addicted. By the way, addiction, the way it's defined is it's a habit of thinking and feeling, of desire, which is what I'm gonna be mostly talking about, of desire. And then lastly, it becomes really an addiction when it's compulsive. That means you, you just do it automatically without even thinking. All of a sudden, you're like, one thing led to another, like you, if you, uh, you you maybe smelled something or saw something, and that made you think about it. And the next thing you know, you're, you're, you're doing your gambling or you're doing whatever, or you're calling that person up that you, you shouldn't call up because it's not a healthy relationship. So, but desires we're going to spend a lot of time on today in the context of um, the the talk that I want to do here. One of the things about addiction that I think. Um, Joshua, in a way, is aware of is that addicts do what we call delay discounting, delay discounting. And what that means is that the really wonderful things of life, the good stuff of life, the true, the beautiful good, the things worthy of praise, that seems way off in the future. Like Jesus coming seems way off in the future. It feels kind of remote. Or Jesus even, like, I I don't know when I'm going to feel his presence again, but I'm longing for it. And it feels kind of remote, feels a little bit elusive, like I just can't reach him. And so you discount the value of that because what you have right in front of you and the addiction is that much greater in terms of its impact on you, the desire and the release of the endorphins and the, you know, and the dopamine. It's just that much stronger, and you're discounting what is the really good, ultimate, wonderful way of life, right? So you're, dis- you're discounting it. You could also call it, uh, Michael Lewis calls this n- the now appeal of what you have to have right now. And by the way, every single time we sin, we're doing this, aren't we? We're actually saying, I don't trust living in the way, God, that you've appealed to me to live, And waiting sometimes, we're talking a lot about waiting and longing here, I don't trust to wait that that's going to be good enough for me to want to not enjoy this thing right now. This seems better. You've discounted the good that God has for you. So I think Joshua and Jesus in his parable, I think both of them are actually working with the reality that they want to make the true and the good and the beautiful of God and his kingdom attractive. They want to bring you into it. They want to awaken in you that longing. They want to get you out of your sleepiness about that desire and get those fires of desire really burning hot because it's the real thing, it's the best thing to have and to enjoy. They're really countering the temptations of the quick, short-term orientation and giving us a much better, longer-term one. Um, Actually, what they're doing is trying to create a form of holy learning, which is really the opposite of addiction. We've been made to enter into a way of life that has to do with relationship, has to do with freedom, but it's something that we can grow, we can learn and grow in. It's a holy way of life. And so what they wanna do, what Jesus and I think Joshua wanna do is they wanna bring us into this way of life and there's three components to it. And I'm I'm taking these from um, a book that I'm reading by a guy named Michael Lewis, because I see the pattern in Joshua and I see the pattern to a certain extent in Jesus' parable. The first thing that Joshua does is, is, um, if we're gonna learn something, a good way to learn is make sure that there's an emotionally intense experience or uh, emotional intensity in general, right? If you really want to help a child learn, you know, you make it, uh, you know, you you blow up a volcano and then they remember, (laughs) it's emotionally intense. And then degree of focus or concentration, that's the second thing. If you really wanna learn something, if you're not paying attention, you're not gonna learn. Right? It just doesn't work. And so the degree of focus and concentration, that's something that Joshua and Jesus, they're they're calling forth from us. And then lastly, there's something also repetitive, recurrent. You, You build it into your life on a recurring basis. And when you have all those three things, you have a genuine learning, and what you also have is this pathway that leads to the kingdom, and all along the way, all sorts of stations of enjoyment as you go. Stepping stones, if you will, that continue to awaken that desire and stoke those flames of desire and maintain until you continue to receive until ultimately the kingdom comes. So I want to take these 3 and just dig in a little bit if you will bear with me. First of all, emotional intensity, desire. I mean, God does really want us to be people of desire. He wants he's put into our hearts longing. And it's for the good things of life. And one of the things that Joshua is doing is he's actually he's being kind of intense. He's being pretty intense with the Israelites. Um, he's like that dad yesterday. I mean, you can't pull out the stops with greater intensity than to say, you have a lot of choices in life except for when it's the last one. Yeah, that's pretty intense. So choose this day. And, and in a way, that's what um, Joshua is doing. That's what Jesus is doing. You don't know when the bridegroom's gonna come. So wake up today, now. We learn that there's some benefits along the way. But Joshua is confronting them. He's reminding them of who God is, what He's done, and who they really are. Jesus is trying to get the foolish virgins in our midst to wake up now and to get oil, which I would just say is like the fuel for our longing, so that we seek the kingdom. He wants to stoke the fires of that longing. Um, This really came home to me last week when we had Ofer here, um, who's the uh, Pentecostal pastor who spoke to us during Oasis, and uh, Messianic Jew, so he's a Jewish believer in Jesus, and one of the beautiful things about his talk on holiness that really hit me was how much he longed for us, who he was speaking to, and how much... He longed for his brethren, his Jewish brothers and sisters who didn't know Jesus, to, to know Jesus and to come to him. And that longing was just like a, a, a catchy flame. It was, there was a warmth to it and there was a spark to it that moved us towards Jesus, that awakened a number of us as I, I heard people reflect on that time. And... Um, the other thing about it is that he appealed to our choice, just like Joshua did. I think one of the things that God actually does to awaken the flame of desire in our heart is says, look, you have a choice. I actually am honoring you as a person of dignity who's made in my image and you actually have the freedom to respond because I'm interested in real relationship. I'm not interested in manipulating you into my presence and manipulating you into my kingdom. And so he stokes the flames of our desire by giving us a choice. He says, I am God and you are my creature, but I made you in my image and I long for you to to know me and to be close to me. But you have a choice today. And even that... That positing of a choice to you right now is an intense emotional experience when we understand the gravity of it, that life and death hang in the balance, but it's the choice, and Joshua says, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. What are you going to do? If you don't think it's a good proposition, then you have that option, but as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord, and in a way, at the same time that he's evoking their longing, he's also saying you have a choice. Both of those things are ways of stoking the fires of our desire. So choose, cut down the false idols, throw them away. Those things that promise immediate blessings right now that you know are destroying you, put them away. And, and don't, even, don't even let them be in your household anymore. Make that decision now to serve the Lord entirely. Stop Serving those other things. Stop. He does one other thing, by the way, to stoke the flames of their desire. He starts to introduce. I I would say Joshua starts to introduce grace in the midst of this longing. He says, um, "This is sort of a surprising thing for somebody who's putting it to people that he wants to respond in a positive way." He uh, he basically says, "You can't do it, though." I'm calling you forward, but you can't. You can't do it. And don't, don't even try, because if you actually try, I mean, it's almost, I'm exaggerating. This is hyperbole now, okay? So I'm not doing exact, uh, this is more of a paraphrase, the Eugene Peterson, the Eric Olson version of this. You can't do this. You can't do this. So in a way, you know, don't even try, because if I'm not going to forgive your transgressions if you do, if you serve other gods. By the way, we'll talk about service in just a second. And yet, but even that, by the way, is evoking more from them because they're like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes, we want to, we will, we will. He is evoking a response from the will at that moment. And they say, yes, he's evoking that. So when God comes to us and, and, and says to the prophet, yes, but it's gonna be hard, in a way he's saying, I want you to, You know how he hardened the heart of the Pharaoh? Remember that? He hardened the heart of the Pharaoh in a negative way because he was saying, well, your will be done. What he's doing right here is he's hardening your strength and your courage for the long haul, and that is an act of grace. This is going to be hard. Yes, but I will it. I will join you, Joshua, in my house to serve the Lord. And in a way, too, this longing, we know, it, the fires of our longing, what happens when we actually fail at times? It, it, it makes us realize when we are honest about it, if we're sincere, it's one of the words that Joshua uses, if we're sincere, that we really need his help, which that in itself stokes our longing and our return to him in his presence. The second thing that Jesus uh, Joshua does, Jesus is named after Joshua. Is that right, Steve? Yeshua. <laughs> the second thing that he does is that he he rem- he remembers for them. He focuses their thoughts, their concentration on that which will reorient them, that which will help them maintain loyalty. Um he goes through a whole litany of things that God had done for them, starting with Abraham. And um, it's like the psalmist says that we uh, recount to the generation the praise-worthy deeds of God. That's what he's doing for them. He's reminding them. Uh, he's focusing and, and trying to rivet their attention on God and who he is, and therefore who they are having been chosen by him. See, our... our do, do, you, do you understand what he's doing there? We, we do this every week, by the way, when we remember. We remember as Jesus commanded. We come to church, by the way. The churches are empty in our land. They're meant to be a, rem- a reminder. Joshua sets up a stone of remembrance right there. He's trying to remind us. He's trying to fix forever Israel's attention on the truth of who God is and the truth of who they are and now also the truth of their will to follow him. And so he sets up that big rock under that tree. And this, friends, the way that we do this, just in a very practical sense, a lot of what I've been talking about till now is a response to a very relational thing. That's the desire piece. But this is really practical. This is like songs. What songs are you singing? What are they reminding you? What's, what are they fixing your attention on and your longings? How are they affecting your longings? What songs are you listening to and are you singing? What's the visual management in your household? We used to do this in business. We would set up little phrases about what the business was about, the brand and the mission of the company. What do you have covering the walls of your home? What are you feeding your imagination in the evenings? You, what what are your what are your friendships reinforcing in your memory and fixing and riveting? How are your relationships themselves reminding you of all of the goodness that Joshua just reminded the Israelites of? That you can have a friend help you with. Those fellow remembers. Um, have you ever heard of a gratitude journal? A lot of us are doing this now because of Karen's encouragement to us um, as young uh, in the young married group. And um, I really would say that those are personal stones of remembrance that you record every day. They're unique ways that God has blessed you today that you want to remember that help you really learn and remain in that longing for the kingdom, to cherish it, to relish it, to remain in that longing for the kingdom and also be loyal to it. So a gratitude journal, just notice two or three things and write it down every day and share it with a good friend or a spouse or the family. Share those things, those stones of remembrance with one another. And we will, as I just said, we'll have our community remembrance in just a, in just a moment. Joshua's been renewing a covenant, but I'm in that moment where the, uh, the priest says the words of Jesus, this is, this is the blood, this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of this, do this for the remembrance of me. Which, by the way, also stokes, again, our desire. If we've fallen away from remembrance, the moment we receive from him, we receive the forgiveness that restores us to him. The last thing that I think Joshua's doing when he's saying, you know, today, choose today, and remember these things, is... um, He's calling them to service. And what is service? It's actually the word um, there in the Greek, in the Septuagint version of the Old Testament, it would be liturgy. It's what we do every week here. It's the service of God. It's the orientation of not just our desire and our thoughts, but actually our actions towards God. And we do that especially when we come to things like regular attendance on Sunday or every day when we pray the prayer office. And um, this, too, is a key to really learning, to being in love with the Lord as our true desire, to longing for him as our real goal, and to uh, being faithful to him for the long haul. So we need to not just be oriented, we actually need to be organized. And that's how we set up a recurring, a repeating process by which we are faithful. We're choosing today, but in a sense, friends, we choose every single day. And we do that through our actions. What are we doing with our time? What are we doing with our Sundays? I think this especially speaks to what I it couldn't have helped but connote this for the, the Israelites as the, the, the people of Jesus' day as they were hearing the parable of the ten virgins. When you're lighting an oil lamp, it, it's so, it, it so quickly evokes the lighting of the lamps in the temple or the lighting of the lamps in the synagogue. And we often have a liturgy of lighting every evening prayer. You know, And it's a sign that we're, we're living in the reality of a kingdom which is to come, but we're also longing for it. I love that it's oil, by the way, that they didn't acquire. A lot of the church fathers would say, that's, doesn't that remind you of the Holy Spirit who's symbolized by oil? Once we have the Holy Spirit in us, that is the lamp that is lit, and that is the light in our eyes that is looking for the coming of the kingdom. But every day that we remember... And every day that we light up our longing once again in prayer and we let that incense rise along with it, that is service of God. That's the expenditure of our time and our energy, the stuff of our life so that we actually acquire oil and we get ready and get awake for the coming of Jesus. He is coming every single week, every single day in the spirit, at the table every week, and he will come again. That's all what Advent is about. I want to um, close be- with um, another intense thing because I, I think sometimes if I introduce the word addiction, a lot of folks will think, well, that's not really me. I mean, I guess I have to struggle with Sin, but I want to expand your imagination, and I I want to tell one more intense story. Um, I came across this little anecdote this week, um, and it's apparently Steve Jobs' last words. I don't know if any of you happened to see this recently. Here's the actual quote from Steve Jobs' last words as he was dying. I reached the pinnacle of success in the business world. In others' eyes, my life is an epitome of success, However, aside from work, I have little joy. In the end, wealth is only a fact of life that I'm accustomed to. At this moment, lying on the sickbed and recalling my whole life, I realize that all the recognition and wealth that I took so much pride in have paled and become meaningless in the face of impending death. His stones of remembrance of pursuing wealth did not stand up against death. In the darkness, I look at the green lights from the life-supporting machines and I hear the humming mechanical sounds. I can feel the breath of God, of death, drawing closer. Now I know when we have accumulated sufficient wealth to last our lifetime, we should pursue other matters that are unrelated to wealth, should be something that's important, more important. Perhaps relationships, perhaps art, perhaps a dream from younger days. Nonstop pursuing of wealth will only turn a person into a twisted being just like me. Wow. God gave us the senses to let us feel the love in everyone's heart, not the illusions brought about by wealth. The wealth I have won in my life I can't bring with me. What I can bring is only the memories precipitated by love. Love can travel a thousand miles. Whichever stage in life we are right now, with time, we will face the day when the curtain comes down. So treasure love for your family. Treasure love for your family. Love for your spouse. Treasure love for your friends. He doesn't say treasure love for God in the coming kingdom. I don't know what his final disposition was, but he s- ends by saying, cherish others. God gave us senses to let us feel the love of everyone's heart. God gave us senses to enjoy him, to feel the love of him for us, which he is longing for you to receive. That's the desire he really wants to feed and to flame. And he wants you to remember it and rehearse it again and again and renew those those covenantal realities. And he wants you to serve him in love and to be committed to it, not just in your thoughts and your desires, but in your actions. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you that you sent Joshua to the people of Israel to help them endure through the wilderness and then also call them to endure the many temptations, the ups and downs of life. Lord, I thank you that you would have us be encouraged in true longing for you and your kingdom. Lord, I pray that if there are in any of us addictions that would say, um, I'm not sure, or we're just confused, Lord, I pray that you would waken us now and that we would choose this day, knowing that you will feed the flames of our longing and our loyalty as we go. Holy Spirit, you alone bring conviction, and so we just entrust this prayer to you. And as we come to um, our confession, but also, Lord, the confession of sin, I just pray that you'd remove any obstacle to the desires of our heart, the thoughts that are true, and the way of life. We pray this in your holy name, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.